Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Uh, Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. We've been talking about a living in the Spirit. Living in the Spirit. You know, you were designed to live by the Spirit of God. You were designed to live from the Spirit of God. The, word gave, the Lord gave me this word this week as I was thinking on and, and you know, setting the course uh, for this week. Um, this is what he gave me. When we live by the flesh, we are trying to do from the outside in what was only intended to be done from the inside out. I'll say that again. When we live by the flesh, by the nature, by the natural realm, which is the uh, uh, obviously what is contrary to living in the spirit, where we're reconciling the two, living in the flesh and living in the spirit. And in Galatians chapter 3, we see that Paul addresses the Galatians the the church at Galatia, and he says, Oh, foolish Galatians, are you now trying to finish in the flesh what you started in the spirit? And when we try to live from the flesh, we are trying to live from the outside in rather than the inside out. You have to understand that the work that God is doing in our lives, he has already performed it on the inside of us. You can't be any more born again. You can't be any more righteous. You can't be any more closer to God. (coughs) By the Spirit and in the Spirit, you have by Jesus and through Jesus and through his atonement and through his crucifixion and resurrection, he has fulfilled and accomplished all that you uh, can be and will be in the Spirit. But the problem is, is that we start this thing in the spirit and then we try to maintain and finish this thing in the flesh. We get caught up in our actions. We get caught up in our natural thinking. We get caught up in trying to all of a sudden figure out something logically that we stepped into spiritually. I mean, think about it. When you first became born again, there was very little that you knew. There was very little that you reasoned out or were able to put two and two together. The Lord also gave me this. There is just enough evidence to make God's kingdom naturally undeniable in the earth. Isn't that what Paul wrote in in Romans? that, That everything we see is actually pointing to an invisible God. And everything we see is telling us that God exists, that an unseen God exists, and we can know this by the things that are seen. But this is the great thing about the the gospel of the kingdom and, and, and the gospel of the word of God. There is plenty of natural evidence to prove undeniably that God's kingdom exists. Yet, there is still just enough mystery that demands that you must trust and live by faith. Isn't that amazing? See, it's both. It's not one or the other. It's both. 
It's recognizing that, sure, we have things that can inform us and direct us and lead us, naturally speaking. But if I am reducing what I believe about God and what I live out about God and his word and my uh, uh, following of Jesus to just natural um, sustenance alone, then we're recognizing that we're going to get off somewhere. That we're not going to be able to fulfill the true assignment and the true purpose that God has called us to. You cannot fulfill God's purpose for your life on natural means alone. It will not happen. It will not happen. And so again, let's look at these verses here in Galatians chapter 3. Beginning with verse 1, you foolish Galatians, who, who has cast a spell on you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. What's he saying? He's saying that you physically, visibly saw Jesus walk this earth. You saw him crucified. You saw these actions that are now written out. You saw these things take place. But are you only living out from what you have experienced naturally? Or are you going to maintain a level of believing beyond what may make sense to the natural mind? The word foolish there, again, I'm just going to continue to drive this home, doesn't mean ignorant or stupid or lacking education or, or lacking a ability to reason out or put things together logically. The word foolish here means lacking spiritual sense. Lacking a spiritual awareness of things. That means only reasoning and only coming to conclusions based on what my mind can reason out and put together. And simply put, that's not how God designed us to operate in the kingdom of God. His kingdom operates not by knowing and understanding, but by believing in faith, even though it may not all make sense in the natural. So he goes on to say, I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive this by the Spirit? Or did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by the Spirit, are you now finishing by the flesh? Did you experience so much for nothing, if in fact it was for nothing? So then, does God give you the Spirit and work miracles among you by your doing the works of the law? See, we can even get off in what we expect spiritually. We think that we can get into a position where we think that our natural things cause God to do spiritual things. And now we start trying to earn our healing rather than walk in a healing that's already been provided for us 2,000 years ago. You don't need to earn a thing with Jesus. You earned it all when he died on the cross, shed his blood, and rose again and gave you eternal life. You, you, you fell into the earned qualifying category in the moment. 
So there's no more striving, and there's no more yearning for, and there's no more, oh, if I could just do this right, if I could just read my Bible enough, and if I could just attend, attend enough services, and take enough notes, and, and be spiritual like that person, and, and pray enough, and do this. And, and God's like, I've already qualified you in my son Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that those things that I mentioned, uh, we, we, we can live without, but it means that I'm now living from my qualification rather than trying to strive for a qualification. He says, even a working of miracles doesn't take place because you earned it. A working of miracles takes place because you believed it. Just like Abraham, verse 6, just like Abraham who believed God and it was credited, credited to him for righteousness. I mean, again, referring to Abraham, of, of if you want to talk about qualification, if you want to talk about someone that lacked natural capacity or natural ability to fulfill an assignment, I mean, you might feel inadequate, but you probably don't feel as inadequate as a 99-year-old man married to a 90-year-old woman that can't have children, never has had children, trying to fulfill the destiny of being a father of many nations. I mean, I, I've been in some pretty inadequate scenarios where I felt incompetent or, wow, this is more than, than what I bargained for, but I don't think I've ever been on Abraham's level. Like, God, you way off here. Like, we're not even in the, in the ballpark right now. We're not even in the same room. We're not even in the same conversation or the same category. So no matter how inadequate you've ever felt in your life, Abraham's probably always got a one-up on you. No, why did Abraham become and receive and do and fulfill what God called him to do? He believed God. And that was credited to him as righteousness. So we recognize that this life in the spirit, this is how you were designed to live. I, I, what, what I want us to get out of this, if you haven't gotten this by now, is, is we have to intentionally engage our spirit. We have to intentionally engage our spirit. Now, I think this has always been important. It's always been important from the day you came into the kingdom. It's always been important. It's important today in 2021 going into 2022 as it was in the 1950s, as it was in the 1600s, as it was when the, 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 the New Testament church was birthed in Acts chapter. I think it's always been important. But I believe right now in the day that we're living in, this message has got to get out. This message has to be ministered, has to be taught, and has to be preached. Why? Number one, I believe that what is happening in our world is becoming more and more evident that it is spiritual, not just natural. The attacks, the deception, the manipulation, the devices, I mean, this stuff, I mean, people are making some decisions and doing some things that I'm like, I know you're not even that stupid. You're definitely leaning on and listening to some kind of spiritual, I mean, demonic force behind. If you really get down to it, the nature underneath a lot of the things that we're seeing take place in our world is just straight up demonic. It's straight up from the pit of hell. 
the things that they're confusing, the things that they're twisting, the things that they're perverting. I mean, it's not even just, man, you're crazy. It's like you have, you are listening to it. There's a demon inside of you. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the level that we're getting to in spiritual activity. And it's becoming more and more aware. Number two, the second reason why I think that this is so necessary and so needed is because there are more and more distractions today than there's ever been. More and more ways and more and more reasons to live out from the natural than the spiritual. Even Christian distractions. There's, there's, there's distractions all around us. At the end of the day, we are the most distracted species that has ever lived on this planet. I mean, between news, between media, between social media, between um, um, the, the availability and the readiness of, of stuff just, just uh, an arm's length away, the, the amount of distraction that we carry in our pockets and in our hands just from these devices alone. I mean, I've come real close. I was in Best Buy the other day, and I was looking at flip phones. Y'all remember flip phones? All it had was numbers. It's the only buttons it had on it was numbers and a screen that only gave you the telephone number and maybe a text message. There's no browsing. There's no emails. There's no pop-ups. There's no notifications. I mean, these things right here, most, this right here is one of the number one reasons why we live from the natural rather than the spiritual, if you just want to be honest about it. So we've, we've got some work to do to live intentionally from the spirit rather than the flesh. We saw last week in Romans chapter 8 where, where Paul is reconciling the two and he says to live from the flesh or to be, to be fleshly carnally minded is death, right? But to live from the spirit is life and peace. And he goes on down and shows that, that man, the, the, the flesh, the nature of the flesh doesn't want anything to do with the plan of God. It's hostile, hostile toward the plan of God, toward the life of God, toward the purpose of God. It's never going to be agreeable. You're never going to convince your flesh to come alongside and say, okay, I'll, I'll give in. No, it, you're going to have to crucify it. You're going to have to lay it down. You're going to have to learn that the flesh is just going to have to be let go of. Paul said, I die daily. I feel like, you know, we're, we're on like two a days now. He came back to life halfway through and I had to crucify him again in the same day. We didn't even make it to the next day. Crucifying the flesh three or four times a day. Why? Because when you intentionally live from the spirit, the flesh doesn't have a say. You don't even consider what the flesh wants. Have we gotten to a point where we obtain something by the spirit, but are now trying to maintain it by the flesh? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Really, chapter 1 and chapter 2, they, they, they go together so well. And we'll just run this through and, and, and just see how it. See what kind of pace we get on. 
I don't think there's any way that we, we I, I can really wrap this up even tonight. That, that's, that's why I love Wednesday nights is because we can unpack things. I mean, that's why you got to stay with us. I'm not just, this isn't a con, so, you know, I keep you coming next week, keep you dangling, you know, to be continued. No, it's because we got to unpack this thing. And if I'm giving you, uh, you know, if you're trying to drink out of a fire hydrant with this thing, you know, I'm, we're not going to get anything accomplished. But we got to chew this up. This is not stick a straw in it and suck it through. This is, we got to chew on this. This is the meat and potatoes of stuff. And we're just going to have to stay with this so that we can get the full revelation of what God is trying to say. First Corinthians chapter one, I'm going to start with verse 18. For the word of the cross is foolishness. Everyone say foolishness. There's that word again. To those who are perishing. But it is the power of God to us who are being saved. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. And I will set aside the intelligence of the intelligent. I'm going to tell you right now, we need to be smart people. We need to know things and we do need to obtain knowledge and we need to work toward an understanding of things and having insight. But what he's talking about is, is if you ever elevate your natural intellect above the spiritual wisdom of God, now we're getting the two backwards. You may remember I, I gave us this question. I posed the question last week. I said, is our intellect informing our faith or is our faith informing our intellect? I mean, you could probably even put it this way. Everybody on this planet is living from one or the other. You're either allowing your intellect, your knowledge, your reasoning, your ability to understand something to inform what you believe. If it doesn't make sense in the natural, if you can't reason it together, and if you don't have the capacity to understand it in the natural, then you do not believe it by faith. Or, as God designed us, we believe something by faith and then we come to the knowledge of or come to the understanding of. But first, taking the step of, if I see it in your word, then I'm believing it. And it doesn't have to make sense and I don't have to figure it all out. And I don't have to have two plus two equals four. No, because when I start leaning on my own ability, as Proverbs chapter three says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and what? Lean not on your own understanding. In essence, he's saying you can only be doing one or the other. You can only either be fully trusting and relying on me, trusting the Lord with all your heart, or you're leaning on your own understanding. And some of us, myself included, are leaning more than we're relying on. We're, we're, we're leaning on it making sense. We're waiting to take that step until we've got some kind of conviction in our mind. And I'm going to tell you right now, your, your mind is the problem. The mind is the problem. Needing to understand is what's keeping you from understanding. That insatiable need to understand that insatiable, I mean, many of us are living 
out of the Spirit on a need-to-know basis. I mean, when I pray with someone to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and to and, and, and that first, when I, when I add that tag, with the evidence of speaking in other, I mean, when we go there, we talk about praying in an unknown language, in a heavenly language. Do you know what praying in the Spirit is? See, there's more things that we need to be doing in the Spirit that we're not accessing because of our need to know. And I can always tell when someone's locked up in their mind. Remember, I sat down with someone recently. And it, and it was very apparent from the go that she, she had to know. She's one of those, um, and I'm that way too. I, I'm that way too. Like, I, I'm, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just, just very cognitive, just very a thinker. Okay, so, so when I open my mouth, and, and, and I, mean, am I, I mean, she was even asking me like vowels and syllables. I mean, so so when it comes out, I mean, what what letter do you start? I mean, just break. It's like, wow, it doesn't work this way. It's not going to work that way. That, that's that's not an unknown tongue. That, you're wanting to you're wanting to make the unknown tongue as known as possible. I mean, you want to spell it out afterward. You want to type it. I mean, what what sound does it does? It, no, no, this is coming from the spirit. The mind has got to get out of the way. Mind, will, and emotion doesn't say live in the soul. It says live in the spirit. You are a spirit possessing a soul and living in a body. But it's living from the spirit, not trying to add so much mental assimilation to this thing that we've actually disregarded faith altogether. No, we've got to get, we got to, Praying in the spirit is praying in a level that that you're, he wouldn't tell us to pray in the spirit if praying in the natural would accomplish it. And you want to talk about the day that we're living in now? You are going to have to pray in the spirit far more than you're praying in English. I'm just going to tell you right now. And if you need assistance with that, I just got done teaching, I don't know, what was it, eight weeks on praying in tongues and the power of praying in tongues and why we need to be praying in the Spirit and where it comes from and, and how it takes place as much as I can. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to release the need to know, the need to understand, and just let it flow from your belly. Not from your head, from your belly, from your spirit. It's the Holy Spirit coming alongside and assisting you. And it's not praying without understanding. It's praying beyond understanding. Man, when God showed me that, I was like, that's it. Because when we say praying without understanding, we're thinking, oh, great. So now I'm, I'm in the dark. I'm in the dark on this. I don't really know what's. No, you're praying beyond, meaning you're reaching depths that your mental capacity could never reach. And we are in days and times, people of God, that your capacity, no matter how smart you are, is not going to touch what is taking place right now. But man, when we can start and switch over and engage in the spirit, well, this is what we're talking about. 
living with a life dependent on the Holy Spirit and living a life where our spirit man is the lead and not our flesh, not our natural man, not, not this understanding. For it is written, verse 19, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and I will set aside the intelligence of the intelligent. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the debater of this age? Hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolish? There it is. For since in God's wisdom, the world did not know God through wisdom. God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of what is preached. For the Jews ask, here it is, for signs and Greeks seek wisdom. See, this is, this is where we, we, we begin to lean on and we begin to rely on signs and things in the natural to prove out something that we're believing in the Spirit. But what he's trying to drive home is, people of God, you have to get this in your spirit by the Spirit. And you're not always at living at the mercy of proof and evidence and explanations. You know, our world today values explanation over experience. Our world today values explanation over experience. That's why you can go to a university, attend a class on business management taught by someone that has never managed a business. It's just information. And I've already been on my soapbox in this series at some point on our overload of information and ease of access to information. And we're just getting stuffed with information, but not becoming any smarter. Maybe becoming dumber. So, in a world that values just being able to explain something rather than being able to, we, we have, come on, we got people that can teach about a God that did miracles, signs, and wonders, but are not seeing miracles, signs, and wonders performed in their lives or their ministries. And Jesus commanded us not to just pray for the sick. We talked about this on Sunday, but heal the sick. Lay hands on the sick and they what? Shall recover. Well, we got to start taking these words literally and stop acting like there was the power of the past and a power of the future, but the God that somehow he's, he's taking the day off. He's taking a break until he gets ready to produce more power in the future. No, he's still doing powerful things today. And he's commanded the body of Christ, you and I, to go and do the same works, yet even greater works, because he went to the Father. All right, I'm not preaching Sunday again. You're going to have to get online and listen to it. Mr. Keith will send it to you. He's already sent it to about 30 people, he said. <laughs> Amen. Keith has got it. He'll preach it to you. 
Verse 21, for since in God's wisdom, the world did not know God through wisdom, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of what is preached. For the Jews ask for signs and the Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. See, this is the thing is when we get off of truth far enough, truth will actually be the very thing that offends you. If you wander away from truth enough, then when truth actually comes, you'll see it. See, th- th- this world has spent so much time recently making normal look abnormal and making abnormal look normal. Camden and I recently had to go down to Jacksonville for a, a doctor's appointment for a doctor that he sees down there at a Nemours in downtown Jacksonville. And, you know, we we have our mask with us, but I'm not putting it on unless, you, you know, you're, I mean, I, that's just, that's just me. I'm not trying to be defiant, but I mean, uh, unless you're gonna hold me to the fire on it. So, you know, we, we walk in and, and he's like, are we gonna put them on? I said, no, I'm not gonna put them on. Every, we're literally the only ones. And so he brings that up. He says, but we're the only ones. I said, I understand. But that still doesn't make us the wrong ones. That doesn't make us the weird ones. But see, this is what the world wants to do is now I'm the abnormal one. No, I'm the normal one breathing fresh air. While y'all are breathing back in stuff that you're blowing into that nasty thing that probably fell on the floor, pulled it out of your pocket. You've touched it 18,000 times. You wear it as long as you're far away from somebody, but then you pull it down when you get in their face to say something to them. They all do it to me. The nurses, are you guys ready to come back? What? I don't understand. So I, I'm the abnormal one. No, we're the normal ones. But this is what the world wants to do. They want to twist it. They want to manipulate it. And so now when truth does show up, it's so weird looking to them. And it's like, oh, wait, that's, there's no way that could be truth. Because you spent so much time working up that an untruth is your truth. So up is down and down is up. Okay, where was I? Verse 24. Yet those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God. Am I at the wrong spot? Verse 25, because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise from a human perspective, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in this world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one may boast in his presence. It is from from him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became wisdom from God for us, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. In order, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in 
the Lord. Look at this in the Amplified. For the message of the cross is foolishness, absurd and illogical to those who are perishing and spiritually dead because they reject it. But to us who are being saved by God's grace, it is the manifestation of the power of God. I mean, that verse right there, that shows us everything that we're talking about. That the world has actually rejected the wisdom of God because they have elevated the wisdom of man. You cannot have the mind of Christ and the mind of man at the same time. One will have to bow to the other. And I can tell you right now, I'm going to tell you right now, if you have the mind of Christ, you do not need the mind of man. If you have the mind of Christ, you do not need man's wisdom. Man's wisdom will steer you, derail you. It it will destroy the, the very essence of the foundation of the word of God. And the mind of man, man's natural ability, man's natural reasoning capacity will not cause you to come to the same conclusion that believing by faith will get you. It will not do it. For it is written and forever remains written. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the philosophy and the philosophers and the cleverness of the clever who do not know me. I will nullify. Where is the wise man, philosopher? Where is the scribe, scholar? Where is the debater, logical orator of this age? Has God not exposed the foolishness of this world's wisdom? For since the world, through all its earthly wisdom, failed to recognize God, in his wisdom was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached regarding salvation, to save those who believe in Christ and welcome him as Savior. For Jews demand signs attesting miracles, and Greeks pursue worldly wisdom and philosophy. But we preach Christ crucified, a message which is to the Jews a stumbling block that provokes their opposition, and to Gentiles, foolishness, just utter nonsense. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This is because the foolishness of God is not foolishness at all and is wiser than men, far beyond human comprehension. And the weakness of God is stronger than men, far beyond the limits of human effort. Just look at your own calling, believers. Not many of you were considered wise according to human standards. Not many powerful or influential. Not many of high and noble birth. But God has selected for his purpose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, revealing their ignorance. And God has selected for his purpose the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, revealing their frailty. Go with me real quick to Acts chapter 4. And show you a, a story here where this is played out. In Acts chapter 2, we have the, 
baptism of the Holy Spirit upon the 120 that were in the upper room. The Holy Spirit fell upon all of them. They began to speak in other tongues, began to speak in other tongues so loudly that the people down on the street heard them, created a big uproar. These guys must be drunk. Why would they be drinking this early in the morning? Um, you know, so then Peter has to get up and explain what just took place, right? He preaches, 3,000 people come into the kingdom right there on day one. Um, something that in the natural looked like chaos and confusion, but in the spiritual was God's wisdom and God's spirit coming upon man. Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are on their way now, empowered by the Holy Spirit, on their way now to the temple to pray. They're just showing up for a prayer meeting. And there's a lame man at the gate. He's begging of alms. Silver and gold, we have none, but what we do have, we give unto you because you can't give away what you don't have. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk, right? And he got up running and dancing and leaping and praising God and went into, well, you know, that created an uproar, not a good one. A revival didn't necessarily start off with that miracle. Um, it actually almost got them killed. So now they're standing before religious leaders because now they're recognizing, wait a minute, we just killed a man that was doing a lot of stuff like this. We put him in the grave. How are these people? These are followers of Jesus. And so they're trying to threaten them, and they're trying to warn them, don't preach in that name anymore. And so they're standing before. And so now we find them here in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. This is what it says. When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men. Y'all saw that? I mean, that ain't the best compliment. Naturally speaking, well, these guys didn't go to school nowhere. Their grammar's all off. They're not real technical. Don't sound real wise. They're uneducated and untrained men, fishermen, right? I mean, they, they, these weren't like men of nobility, men of, of scholarly statute or educate, education and, and training. They realized they were uneducated and untrained men, and that's putting it nicely. They were amazed, and here it is, recognized that they had been with Jesus. Let me tell you something. In these last days, who you've been with is greater than what you know. Who you spend your time with is going to trump what you fill your mind with. What you come to learn, what you come to know, what you come to understand. It recognized they had been with Jesus. Jesus. I said this last week, but if your intellect is hindering your faith, you know the wrong things. Because now we're about to see these guys have a struggle. And the world's going to have this struggle. Everybody's going to have this struggle in verse 14. And since they saw the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in opposition. 
So the miracle that started this whole thing, the man standing right there, and they knew this man's been lame from birth. We've seen that guy begging at that gate all the time. We know this guy. It's not an unfamiliar face. This guy isn't playing a trick. This guy was literally a handicap. This guy was literally unable to walk the day before, and now he's walking and leaping and praising God at the hands of these uneducated and untrained men. And after they ordered them to leave the Sanhedrin, they conferred among themselves, saying, what should we do with these men? For an obvious sign obvious sign. I mean, imagine, imagine being so, um, that, that even an obvious sign doesn't convince you. See, that's why I said that you'll have, we're, we're not, we, we don't, we're not short of evidence that God's kingdom exists. I mean, it actually takes more faith to believe that there isn't a God than that there is a God. It takes more faith to believe that this thing wasn't, for, wasn't uh, performed at the hands of a great being. It actually takes less faith for us to believe. I mean, the, you got evidence, but imagine having all the evidence squarely in front of you and still yet denying the truth. That's what happens when you rely on your own reasoning, your own mental capacity, your own natural ability to comprehend something, to operate out of the flesh rather than out of the spirit. This is what happens. We're literally watching it take place right in front of us. What should be done with these men? For an obvious sign has been done through them, clear to everyone living in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But, so that this does not spread. They can't deny it, but they want to contain it. They can't deny what just took place. I mean, I've, I've had people tell me that that, that that they've had experiences with the Lord and went back to others that maybe didn't believe along those lines and, and said, I, I had this experience, and, you know, I, I don't know what to do with this. And, and rather than wanting to learn more about what they experienced, they want to give an explanation of why that wasn't real. Because they can't wrap their mind, they would rather stifle someone else. See, I'll tell you right now, if you want to grow in the things of God, make sure you are around other people that are growing with you. You cannot grow and remain in an environment that continues to squelch and quench what God is doing. You will have to make a decision. Do I stay here and stay where I'm at? Or do I step out and go here? Because at least they're going where I'm trying to get. I mean, this, is, this works just even in the natural realm. If you want to learn how to be better with money, don't get around people that are bad with money. Or don't have any money. And tell you why money's evil and money's awful. Get around people. It'll be intimidating. 
It's intimidating not to have any money and get around someone that's got some. It's intimidating not to know how to run a business and get around someone that's got several of them. It's, it's intimidating to get to, you know, your marriage is struggling, and but you know, if I get around these people, they've got a great marriage. It doesn't feel great, but that's how you grow. Don't stay in a room with people that want to deny what you're experiencing in your life. You will not get, you, it will not grow you, it will not develop you. Well, maybe God, maybe God's calling me to, to get them to rise. No, it doesn't work that way. They've got a Holy Spirit living in them just like you've got the Holy Spirit. Leave it up to the Holy Spirit. It's not your job. And I can tell you right now, if they've already shut their voice off to the Holy Spirit, what makes you think you can do it any better than the Holy Spirit? Pastor Daryl Huffman, he's got a powerful testimony. Where someone, you know, committed a a failure in his church, someone on his staff, and the Lord told him, let him go. But Pastor Daryl got before him, got in the room, and he's crying, and he's sobbing, oh, I'm just, I know I messed up, I blew it, and he said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you another chance. Gave him another chance, he did it again, and this time it split the church, and he went to the Lord and said, Lord, I, I, I had mercy on him, I showed him, you know, grace and favor and mercy, I mean, why, why would you let this happen? He says, I wasn't even trying to work on him, why did you think you could? I told you to let him go. You thought you could do a better job than me? Hello. That's dangerous. That's living out of the flesh, not in the spirit. And Pastor Darrell will tell you that's exactly what he did, is he got his heartstrings pulled. He operated out of the flesh. I'm telling you, we're walking in days now where living out of the flesh rather than the spirit will cost us. Will cost us. Man, we got to live from the Spirit of God. And when the Spirit speaks and says, do this, don't don't try to override that. Don't try to negotiate with the Holy Spirit. No, we got to be a follower of the Holy Spirit. We got to live from the Spirit of God. So there's an obvious sign, clear to everyone in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it does not spread any further among the people, let's threaten them against speaking to anyone in this name. And they called for them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Of course, Peter and John answered, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and Heard. Notice that they didn't try to explain the Well, let me tell you why this works. You know, so so you know Jesus when he when he took those stripes on his back. You know that was for our sin. I mean, they're not even trying. They're not even striving to bring an explanation. Because here's the thing: you will never gain by reasoning what it can only be gained by the Spirit. You never will. I've been in those conversations. I've been in in, in those where where you're you're explaining it to your blue in the face, trying to get someone to understand why God would not put sickness on grandma to teach them something or why, why, why he, he didn't need another angel in the choir and why he didn't need, he didn't do, you know, he's not trying to, I, I mean, I've, I've tried to 
break through people's denominational thinking and, and their traditional barriers, things that do not line up with the word at all. And what I've just learned to recognize is unless the Holy Spirit shows it to you, this, is, this ain't going to work. And, and if, if I have to reason with you for five hours for you to get it, did you really get it? No, I just share with you what the word says, and I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to do the work on the inside, on the other side. But when we get into this debating and this arguing and this uh, explaining when I, I recognize when someone's not receptive, they're not going to be responsive. So when someone's not receptive, I just take a step back and say, you know what? Just pray the Lord shows you. Because we just that, that's where we start putting more value and weight on reasoning and, and it making sense here. And I don't, I, honestly, I don't want you to get born again because it makes sense here. I don't want you to get baptized in the Holy Spirit because it makes sense here. I don't want you to receive your healing and your miracle because it makes sense here. I don't want you to see financial breakthrough because it may, I want you to receive it because you stepped out by faith in your heart, seeing what the word of God says about finances, seeing what the word of God says about healings and miracles and divine health, seeing what the word of God says about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, seeing what the word says about the gifts of the Spirit and operations, seeing what the word says about your identity and your authority in Christ. Without it having to have an explanation and a commentary, an 1,800-page commentary that someone put together that helped it make sense to you. No, you need to receive it by the Spirit. You need to have a heart that's open and teachable and says, I want to receive it. If that's what the Word says, then I want to see that in my life. 1 Corinthians, ah. Corinthians 2. Go there quickly with me. No. You know, our, 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 our mental capacity, there's not, just not much stock to put in it. It's just not, guys. And look, I, I, you, you know me. I'm a teacher. The Bible says study to show yourself approved. I am not negating the studying of the word. I am not negating being under teaching and having someone teach. But I'm not teaching to explain. I'm teaching to reveal. There's a difference. And we weren't meant to live off of information. We were meant to live off of or, uh, revelation. Revelation. Revelation of God. And I tell you, when, when you get under a real teacher, you know, we kind of have this idea that preachers, evangelists are the exciting, screaming, passionate ones, right? Got you on, and then teachers are like, you know, lull you to sleep. No, no, no. When you get under a teaching gift, you're on the edge of your seat. You can't write fast enough, and it's revealing something in your heart. And you might not be as loud and might not be amening as much because it's registering in your spirit. See, preachers can move you to action, but teachers move you to thought. Move you to say, man, to consideration. 
1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10. Now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit. Since the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except his spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who comes from God, so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. Notice that understanding comes as a result of relying on the Spirit, not the other way around. When I understand, then I'll rely. No, I will, I will rely, then I will understand. Get it in the right order. We also speak these things not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. I'm telling you, you'll, you'll never wear yourself out more than trying to explain spiritual things to natural-minded people. It will wear you out. It will wear them out. Just save yourselves the trouble. But the person without the Spirit does not receive what comes from God's Spirit because what? It is, there it is again, foolishness. They're lacking a spiritual sense. They're lacking in a spiritual awareness. They're lacking a spiritual ability to receive the revelation of the Word of God. He is not able to understand it since it is evaluated spiritually. The spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything. And yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. For who has known the Lord's mind that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. I'm going to read this to you in the Amplified and we'll wrap it up right here. It'll be on the screen behind me. For God has unveiled them and revealed them to us through the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things diligently, even sounding and measuring the profound depths of God. The divine counsels and things far beyond human understanding. For what person knows the thoughts and motives of a man except the man's spirit within him? So also no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Holy Spirit who is from God, so that we may know and understand the wonderful things freely given to us by God. We also speak of these things, not in words taught or supplied by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining and interpreting spiritual thoughts with spiritual words for those being guided by the Holy Spirit. But the natural unbelieving man does not accept the things, the teachings and revelations of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness, absurd, and illogical to him. And he is incapable of understanding them because they are spiritually discerned and appreciated, and he is unqualified to judge spiritual matters. Mm. But the spiritual man the spiritually mature Christian judges all things, questions, examines, and applies 
what the Holy Spirit reveals. Yet is himself judged by no one. The unbeliever cannot judge and understand the believer's spiritual nature. For who has known the mind and purposes of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And look at this. To be guided by his thoughts and purposes. I'm talking an intentionality. Um, the Lord told it to me this way. An uncommon reliance on the Holy Spirit. That's what's going to rise from this church in this last days. An uncommon reliance. An un, like, I mean, you're pausing on things that in the past you would have easily made a decision on out of your natural mind. You're stopping and saying, wait, Holy Spirit, I want to be sensitive. I want to yield myself. I want to engage my spirit, man. I don't want to get in a habit of just rushing to a decision out of my natural wisdom and thinking. I want to get in the habit. I want to formulate the habit in my life of engaging my spirit, man, and just, just for a moment, pausing, saying, Lord, where do I go? Lord, what do I say? Lord, how do I respond? Lord, what needs to be done here? Get in the habit of responding from the Spirit, not just quickly, even if you think you know the right thing, even if we think we can come to the right. And you know what? Maybe nine times out of ten, you may have already, yep, the Lord will confirm what you are already thinking. But in that one out of ten moment where he says, nope, I don't want you to go that direction. I need you to do this. Those are the moments where we need to be sensitive. Those are the moments where our spirit man needs to override our natural thinking, the conventional wisdom of this world, regardless of if it's popular, regardless of if it's the majority. Because the day is coming where it's going to be more and more evident that the way of the spirit is completely countercultural to the way of the world. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.